Good morning, Peninsula Hope family. We hope you guys are continuing to stay safe and healthy. Please know we missed you guys and we are praying for you. Let me open us up in some prayer. Lord Jesus, we give you all the glory and honor and praise, Lord. And we love you so much, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings and for your care of us, Lord, during this season, Lord, of sheltering in place. Lord, we pray that you would meet us where we're at, Lord, with all the things that we are going through, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to me and through me, Lord, as I bring your word today. And pray this in your name. Amen. I think I've mentioned this to some of you that growing up and even to this day, I love driving. And when I was younger, I would take road trips with no destination. I would just want to get out and drive. It was so much fun for me. But as I got an older, destination has become even more important. Initially, it was just about driving around, but now it was about going places. And with the cost of fuel and just, you know, personal time as well, having a specific destination became more and more important whenever I take road trips. And I remember a road trip I took um, to Colorado Springs in Colorado, and I was going to check out this church. And so I got ready to drive and I didn't take a look at a map or anything because I was going to use the GPS on my phone. Now, unfortunately, I did not realize how much the trip and just using my GPS, how much it would drain the battery on my phone. And so as I was driving there, I was probably about, I don't know, honestly, maybe only a few miles away from the church, but my phone died. And not knowing where I was or the area, I started to panic. And so I had to drive around looking for a gas station. And so finally I found a gas station that again, probably wasn't too far away uh, from the church. And I had to see if they sold a universal charger that I could use on my phone. Luckily they did sell chargers. And so I was able to um, uh, start up my phone It started up and luckily, it started rerouting things. And what I found out was I was pretty off track because I had to find a gasoline station. But as things kind of started uh, recalibrating and recalculating, finally I was able to get back on track and back on the right, um, on the right path to my destination of finding the church. Throughout the Bible, we see that the nation of Israel had been on a trip as well. They were on sort of a, a road trip and their destination was becoming the chosen people that God wanted them to be. And lucky for them, God blessed them with their own version of GPS through the law and prophets. It told them what they were supposed to do, the path that they were supposed to be on. Unfortunately, just like me, the nation of Israel got off course. For me, it was my battery dying. And for the nation of Israel, it was disobedience to God. But Solomon knew this. We've been talking about Solomon going through 2 Chronicles 6, and now we're going to be in 2 Chronicles 7. And as we looked at his prayers, he knew that because everyone sins, it was very likely that the nation of Israel would get off track. And so as he was praying and dedicating the temple he asked God for some of those recalculated directions. And because of God's love, his grace and mercy, 
just like my GPS helping me to get back on the right path of finding that church in Colorado Springs, God gave Israel recalculated directions on how to get on uh, back on that right path of obedience and becoming the chosen people he wanted them to be. So today we're going to finish up our series <coughs> about Solomon's ask and God's answer. And today we have that opportunity to look at God's answer to Solomon's prayer. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now, it's interesting that to this day, the nation of Israel hasn't experienced healing in their land. They continue to experience social unrest. They live in constant fear of attack from other nations. So as you can see, for a people to turn back to God and get on the right path, it's not an easy thing to do. And this is such an important aspect of God's response that we will be talking about. He says, if my people, not one person, my people. So it's a nation that needs to turn back to God, not just individuals. Basically, God is saying, if you got into this situation as a community, you have to get out of it as a community. So let's take a look at what God is telling his people to do. So if we start, it says, if my people called by my name, well, number one, if they will humble themselves. And to give you a little bit of context, the definition would be not being proud or arrogant. It's realizing how great God is and truly how insignificant we are in comparison to him. It's remembering who is in charge and praising him. We need to pray for a humble heart. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the different ways where pride is getting in the way of our relationships. We have to show gratitude to God. We have to pay more attention to our own faults and flaws than those of others. And we need to confess our failings and our shortcomings. I love how one author put it. He said, don't hide behind your dignity. It's pride's favorite hiding place. First Peter 5, 5 says this, in the same way you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. In other words, we have to understand that God does not care what the world says about us. He doesn't care what, what tabloids, what the internet says, what magazines say. If you are extraordinarily successful in the world's eyes, if you're super popular, super famous, it doesn't impress God at all. If you're poor, 
if you don't know very many people, if you're not well connected in the world's eyes, God doesn't think any lesser of you. Romans 2.11 says, For God does not show favoritism. He thinks of all of us equally in his eyes. And the final thing we can do to help us to be humble is to serve others. Choose the humble path that Christ chose. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. So that is the first thing that God is calling his people to do. The second thing is we need to pray. But as we looked at intercessory prayer a few weeks ago, we have to understand we can't just pray for ourselves. We have to pray for and on behalf of others. And another key aspect of our prayers is praying God's will. Again, praying God's heart into a situation. It's putting his desire, his wants ahead of our own. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, not just some, it's for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. So we need to pray for everyone, not just for ourselves. The third thing that God calls us to, that he calls us people to, what he called the nation of Israel to, was to seek his face. And when you look at the Greek, or in this case in the Hebrew, excuse me, um, it means to get in the presence of God, get before him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So if we want to get in the presence of God, we need to do it with all our hearts. This kind of reminded me of times where I've lost my keys and I had to get to work on time, or maybe it was school, and even times when I've had to pick people up, but I couldn't find my keys and I'd start to panic because I knew I had to get somewhere at a specific time. And so I'd start tearing up the house like probably many of you guys have done before if you've ever lost your keys. And you start going to every single room, opening up every single drawer. You start crawling on the floor looking for these keys. It's like every other thought that you have goes away except finding and seeking these keys that are so important for this task that you have. And I thought that that was a great illustration of the kind of heart, the kind of perspective, the way that we have to be if we are seeking God's face, if we are seeking to be in his presence we have to be in that same mode of searching for keys. We have to let that be the focus of our thoughts and let other concerns go away. And we seek God through his word, through diligently spending time reading and focusing and studying on the Bible. 
We do this through prayer, that consistent prayer for everyone. And we do this through worship, through how we honor and glorify God for who he is and what he has done for us. These are the ways that we seek his face. And the fourth thing that God tells us we need to do is we need to turn from our wicked ways. And if you think about this turning, right? When you turn from something, you're doing an about face. You're doing a 180 degree turnaround in the opposite direction. But in order to do the opposite of wickedness, we need to understand what wickedness is. And a lot of times I think when you think of that word wickedness, it just it's this really ugly picture. But it can be a little bit easier to find when we look at the Hebrew word for wickedness, which is raw, and it means bad or evil. So we have to ask ourselves, what are the bad and evil things that humans do? Mark 7, verses 21 through 23 gives us a really good indication. It says, For it is from within, out of a person's heart. Right? So it's the things inside your heart that make the difference. In this case, it says, Out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So that is a list of some of the wickedness that we need to turn away from. But if we turn away from these characteristics, these traits that come from our hearts, from inside of us, what do we turn to? What kind of behaviors should we be looking to possess? What kind of behaviors should we have? How should we act as Christians? Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, his people, believers in Christ, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Again, heart condition. It starts from within. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. I love that. Bearing. Be able to put up with someone. If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all, all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Isn't that beautiful? I love that, that, that we have to put up, we have to take time for one another. We have to try to understand and listen to one another. And above all, we have to love and that love, that's what binds us together in perfect harmony. Our mission here, our vision, is to transform the Bay Area and beyond through the love of Christ. 
and these traits, it talks about it. We have to have that love if we wanna see transformation in our church, in our city, in our nation, in our country, in the world. This happens from love and it's such a perfect illustration here. We need to bear with one another to see that happen. So again, God is saying, if my people would do these four things, humble themselves, if they will pray, if they will seek my face, if we will seek God, if we will get in his presence, and if we will turn, if we will do the complete opposite of our wicked ways, if we will love one another. God says, if my people who are called by name will do those four things, then he said he would hear from heaven and he would do these two things. He would forgive their sin and he would heal their land. Again, as I mentioned earlier about the nation of Israel, they haven't experienced this healing. This is not an easy thing to do. It wasn't an easy thing to do then. It isn't an easy thing to do now. This is a monumental task. And it's not just one of those things God is saying for us to do. He is saying, you need to, one, humble yourself. Make me number one in your life. Two, you need to pray to me with all your heart. You need to seek me like you're seeking those missing car keys and then turn from your wicked behavior. We have to do all four of those things. The nation of Israel needed to do all four of those things in order for God to forgive their sin and heal their land. And I would love to say, this is it. That's the, that's the way we solve all the problems. It's the way that Israel could solve their problems. It's the way we could solve our problems. And if that was the end of the story, that would be great. But there is so much more to that. Earlier I mentioned how, how much I love driving. But what I didn't share with you is that when I turned 16, really before that first year of driving was over, I had received a red license. And some of you guys may know what that is, some may not. And just if you're wondering, a red license isn't a special license that they give to future race car drivers. That's not what it is. In Colorado, a red license is given. So you basically have a certain proximity, a certain square mile radius that you can drive in, right? This red license allows you to drive in this certain area to go to school and to go to work. Basically what that means is I got a red license because I had accumulated enough points to get my license taken away the first year I ever got a license. So there was a consequence to me being disobedient to the driving laws in Colorado. And there is a similar thing that we see with God's response to Solomon about the nation of Israel. He says that even though I have showed you what you need to do to get back on track, here is a warning that if you're disobedient and continue in that disobedient lifestyle, there's a consequence. 
Second Chronicles 7, 19 through 22 says, But if you turn away and forsake the decrees and commands I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot Israel from my land, which I have given them, and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. I will make it a byword, an object of ridicule among all peoples. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this people? People will answer, because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt and embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. This is why he brought all this disaster on them. That's, that's a harsh rebuke. Those are hard words to hear. But I think it's important that as believers in Christ, we hear this. That even though there's such blessing in obedience, there are consequences to unrepentant sin. As I kind of bring things here to a close, I want to leave you with some final thoughts. And that is, have we as a nation, as a world, have we worshiped other things? Have we made things, material things, our God? Have we forsaken God's decrees and commands for us? Although God tells us there are consequences for such behavior, we still have a chance to turn things around. But in order for a nation to turn to God, it has to start with each of us turning to God with all of our hearts. We can't just give part of our lives to God. We have to give our entirety to God. And I think this is so important for believers everywhere to understand. And it is this final point. That although seeing healing and peace in our nation and in our world, which is so important, these are things so worthy of our prayers, so worthy of our hope. These are things that we should reach out to God for, to see people getting along and working together. Even though those are so important and that is such an awesome goal, such an awesome destination that we should be looking forward to, that we should be willing to work on. Our ultimate destination is not peace on earth. It's eternity in heaven with God. And so whatever God's will is, whatever the result of everything going on in the world we have to understand that and have our faith in that, knowing that God loves us. And if we're obedient, if we love him, if we turn to him, that we will reach our ultimate destination, amen, and that is heaven and eternal life with God. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that this sermon would reach our hearts. I pray, Lord Jesus, for our nation, for our world, Lord. I pray that as your people, you would help us to turn to you. 
Lord, that we would pray, that we would seek your face, Lord Jesus, that we would humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways, Lord. But above all, Lord, I pray that each of us would take that challenge on ourselves to seek you, number one, Lord. That each of us would make you our focus, Lord, so we could end up at that final, great, amazing destination of eternal life in heaven with you. Lord, just, Lord, help us to truly be the people you desire us to be. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. We love you guys, and we hope to see you guys soon. Thank you guys for joining us. God bless.